Welcome to Standpoints, the podcast, where we explore the Black experience, largely through a theoretical lens informed by Black feminisms and from a perspective that valorizes pedagogies and practices of care within Black, Brown, mixed, and intersectional communities. This is our space for living and loving Blackness. We hope that it can be yours too. I'm Andrea Baldwin. In this episode, we address the topic of Black women's birth equity, birth justice, and maternal health. This topic is extremely timely with the recently leaked first draft of the Supreme Court's ruling, which purports to overturn the 40-plus-year precedent in Roe v. Wade, which makes abortion in the U.S. legal. Even with Roe still law of the land, Black women are more likely than women of all other races to experience reproductive inequities. They are more likely to seek abortion services. They are more likely to die during and as a consequence of childbirth. They are more likely to have their children taken away by the state and much, much more. Today, we will be discussing the long-standing historical reasons for these inequities, what birthing equity practitioners are doing in our communities to address these inequities, and talk about what the future holds for Black women in a projected post-role United States. Our guests today are Dr. Natalie Cook and Zuleika Woods. Dr. Cook is an assistant professor of public health at Virginia Tech. She is a critical educator, transformative evaluator, and researcher, as well as a culturally affirming full-spectrum doula. Dr. Cook co-facilitated a week-long module in the Making All Black Lives Matter course that I co-taught with Dr. Shannon Bell in the spring semester of 2022. Zuleika Woods is a doctoral candidate in the Planning, Governance, and Globalization program and a master's student in public health at Virginia Tech. Her current research interest centers on race and power structures in international programs, health education, and Black maternal health advocacy. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us. Happy to be here today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Awesome. And so today we are going to be talking about uh, Black maternal health and birth justice and birth equity. But before we start getting really into the nitty gritty of uh, the topic, I need some definitions. I need some explanations. <laughs> <laughs> so just because we are going to be using these terms interchangeably and folks do use these terms terms interchangeably, mm -hmm. I want you to help me understand what is birth equity, what is birth justice, and what is maternal health? Good. I'm happy we're starting off um, with just defining terms because language is so important. And even though we kind of just throw terms out there, um, it's really important to be on the same page and really understand what we're all talking about. So maternal health is um, about a woman or a birthing person's health um, during the perinatal period. So perinatal is prenatal, throughout the pregnancy, during the labor, as well as postpartum, which is after. So that's perinatal as well as maternal health. Um, and I just want to say also that I'm going to be saying woman and I might say something like mother or mama. And um, when I say that, just imagine a little asterisk that says all birthing people. Um, sometimes I might say mother or mama just as a way to, to keep the conversation short and not include a long list of um, qualifiers mm -hmm. or details. But I really mean that in an inclusive way to represent anybody who um, might be carrying a baby or might be transitioning to parenthood regardless of how they identify. So maternal health we got is about perinatal health, which is prenatal, pregnancy, throughout labor and after delivery. Birth equity is about um, equal or rather equitable outcomes mm -hmm. for, for all families. So um, unfortunately, black families, black birthing people, are over three to four times more likely to die in childbirth or shortly afterwards 
from some complication, whether it's bleeding or infection or preeclampsia, which is um, high blood pressure, high blood pressure in the in the pregnancy or pre- in the perinatal period, um, whatever the reason might be, black birthing people are more likely to have some negative outcomes or even death um, after they're pregnant. And so that's what birth equity is about. It's about turning that on its head and eliminating those disparities so that black women, birthing people and their families have equitable outcomes to others. Birth justice is about recognizing the structural and um, systemic issues related to birth and birth equity and trying to um, confront those and change those so that we can achieve birth equity. So birth justice is that acknowledgement of the social justice element of birth equity and maternal health. Wow. I, I just learned yeah. a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I should add a birth justice also is um, the action. Some of the stuff we'll be talking about today, some of our work is in that realm of mm-hmm. birth justice. So awesome. All right. So before we jump into your work, the work that you're doing here mm-hmm. in Southwest Virginia um, on birthing justice and birthing equity, I wanted to talk, pick up on something you said, Dr. Cook, regarding the maternal mortality crisis mm-hmm. where um, black women and black birthing people are the ones to be negatively affected. Right. Um, and I, as you were talking, I'm thinking, why? Why is this the case? Why are black birthing people the ones who may be in crisis throughout their perinatal periods? Mm-hmm. The maternal health crisis in the United States is really such a shame because we have so much technology and so many um, financial resources, and yet we fail to protect our birthing people and their babies and their families. We struggle with that in general in the United States for everybody. But black people suffer the most. Mm. And it's not fair. It's not fair that black families suffer simply because they were born in brown skin or a certain zip code or without land access or in a food swamp or all these issues that contribute to the crisis. And that's why we're focusing on black birthing people and black families because the crisis is, they're really at the heart of the crisis. Mm -hmm. And we know that when things are better for them, when they're facing better outcomes, then that means everybody else is is, um, doing better as well. I think I should also highlight that the U.S. Um, maternal crisis puts the U.S. as the last for all industrialized countries mm-hmm. in the world. And oh, as wow. she talked about all the technologically advancements that we've made, um, sadly, this is not one of the areas that we thrive in. And as someone who migrated to the U.S. from um, West Africa, um, for people coming to the U.S., a lot of a lot of immigrants, we come for a better life. We're coming to the U.S. for you know better opportunities. And sadly. As a black woman in the U.S., my maternal outcome is worse than it would have been if I stayed in my home country in oh, West wow. Africa. So that's some of the, the stats and some of the numbers that even got me involved with this work because you think in the U.S. and you think about all the things that we do. We have open heart surgeries. We do some miraculous things in, mm-hmm. in medicine. And then you get to just by the mere fact of being in a certain zip code or being in a certain skin because of medical racism and a lot of history of other things in this country. And then you think about it, it's just because you're pregnant, you have so many complications outside of anything else. And there are a lot of studies um, Dr. Cook would talk about that show it has nothing to do with whether or not you, you learn a lot. Education is not, is not a factor because even when you add that in, by virtue of the fact that I'm a PhD student and even as a, a the more you learn, your outcome is worse. Mm-hmm. So you, it, it has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, you, you learn even people who have money like Serena Williams. So this, this, the, the crisis in the U.S. like generally broadly is a crisis for everyone. But like she talked about for black women, like you, it, it becomes worse with mm-hmm. that particular demographic. Mm-hmm. Shockingly, or perhaps not that shockingly, educated black women, middle class black women with degrees have worse birth outcomes than poor or low income white women. So we know that it's not a poverty issue. It is a race, specifically a racism, not race, but racism issue. Mm. So as a, as a scholar myself of black feminist uh, uh, theory and black feminisms, um, there's, I know that there's something historical here um, where we are talking, uh, Zulika, you talked about medical racism 
Um, Dr. Cook, you talked about food swamps and land access and how those mm-hmm. are those go back to something larger in terms of colonialism and settler colonialism. Uh, black women on the plantations, black women see, being seen as non-human, black women being able being seen as being able to withstand pain, not having knowledge mm-hmm. about themselves. And I want us to talk, e- explore this maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. How is the contemporary issue of birth and equity, maternal um, health, and birthing justice? How does the field draw on, or does the field draw on that historical legacy to kind of think through like how that legacy still has a handprint in what is happening today? Again, I'm glad you brought that up. And first of all, I just want to acknowledge like it hurts so much to hear all of those truths that you just articulated. Mm. It hurts so much to hear those. Um, but they really are truths. And I like to ask people, you know, if they knew that we, black women, had better birth outcomes in slavery days oh, than we do wow. now. And mm-hmm. we know that because we were considered chattel property, property and yes. because they kept meticulous records on yes, our outcomes. Yes. And I mean, if you think about that, it can be really paralyzing. But because it's like, it's just so baked in society. Um, these disparities and they're so tangled and you know, Mm -hmm. there's this whole ecological force that really allows these inequities to perpetuate. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we have to go back to, we have to consider history. And while medicine, I think is still failing to acknowledge the role that um, history plays, um, Community-based initiatives haven't been ignoring that. Yeah. So, and that's why I love the marriage of um, of education, of science, of um, the university, mm-hmm. and community knowledge or cultural knowledge. Yeah. Because I think that's where the magic will happen with um, with birth equity work. So there are numerous community-based um, birth equity or birth justice initiatives throughout the country, and they really draw on. Um, our our legacy of of having positive births and achieving whole health for our families. Um, actually, recent research has shown the promise of having a doula present while people are giving birth, and that's something that was rooted in the plantation when there was an enslaved African woman giving birth. Her fellow uh, women were there to support her. Um, the granny midwives or the mm-hmm. granny, um, you know, they weren't formally trained and didn't have degrees, but they were known as the people who were going to help help give help people um, give birth. And they were trusted as as doulas, not with that name at the time. But now, contemporarily, doula work draws on that history of community care, mm-hmm. of intergener- intergenerational training mm-hmm. and participation mm-hmm. in the birth process. Here in the U.S., you know, there's this hypermedicalization and there's this sterile, bright, you know, hospital room environment, but that's not what birth used to be like. Mm-hmm. Birth used to be a whole family experience mm-hmm. where the birthing person was loved on and massaged and wiped and, you know, lip balm reapplied Mm -hmm. those things that don't happen in the hospital Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and i think i think just building off what she talked what dr cook talked about is that now from that history of having doulas doing um when enslaved people have doulas now at some point in the u.s doula came to be this elite thing Mm -hmm. it became a a, a only certain class and i should say only white women had doulas around because think about the 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 system the U.S. have, a lot of black women can't even afford um, to have quality health care and then to have this added person that you're paying a certain amount of money for to have a doula with you in there. And then there are some places that are not even open to having doulas in the mm-hmm. hospital mm-hmm. setting. So this 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 history of having this community person being a part of the birthing process that grew out of the legacy of black people in America have now become this elite thing something like you know and this we see this all the time with a lot of different things that comes out of commu- community of color like even yoga or other mm-hmm. things that you and then turn mm-hmm. into this elite thing that only certain people can afford to partake in right right yeah um i mean when i had my son who is now 10 years old um i had we 
um, I birthed him in the hospital in, in Alabama. So he was born in Alabama. Wow. And uh, when I was pregnant with him, we actually lived in the Dominican Republic. And so we had saved all this money. We were going to have a water birth. Mm-hmm. We were going to do all this, all this, all these awesome things. And we moved back to Alabama through forces beyond our control. And um, I was told I couldn't even take a, 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 a medis- medical ball into the room. Wow. And, um, you know, I did a lot of research after that because it was a horrible birthing experience mm. for me. And I think one of the reasons why I decided I wasn't going to have any more children. Mm. Um, it was really, really horrible. And um, I did research and, and, and found out that it was actually the rise of the medical profession mm-hmm. wh- that caused the black women, mm-hmm. m- uh, midwives, as they were called, um, to become a declining um you know, force in these communities where they were moving around, traveling, helping people to birth babies. Mm-hmm. Um, because of this, this the 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 male uh, centered patriarchal medical field that yeah. became a thing, where um, instead of it being a really really great process in terms of like a family, like you were describing, Doctor Cook, it became a a crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's part of how, you know, policy is weaponized against black people. Mm-hmm. There was a whole period when um, the medical community was actively, you know, gatekeeping to the point that it became illegal for people to practice midwifery, mm-hmm. especially black people. I who think it's still afford- illegal in certain, I think Alabama is still yeah. illegal, maybe. Yeah. And even in places where it is legal, there's just such a shortage of mm-hmm. black birth workers, mm-hmm. whether it's midwives or doulas. And I'm grateful that. There's finally this this um, turning point, it seems, where black people are are re-entering mm-hmm. the birthing space, which was a space that we were successful in. It's not like yeah. we didn't need help. We didn't need saving. <laughs> right. You know, we were good at this. And you, now we're you, getting back there. Yeah, I think you started a conversation about how important it is to define words and how words have so much power. Mm-hmm. It's because of that sometimes people control the narrative and how what you say and what you talk about. There was this scare about people having kids at home that you're going to kill the baby. You don't know what you're mm-hmm. doing. You don't have medicine. You don't have the knowledge. You're not trained. And you, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're not trained because a lot of emphasis placed on formal education. But there are people in villages all over the, you know, the continent where a lot of um, black people came from mm-hmm. that don't have degrees. They're not even mm-hmm. called midwives, but they're birthing children every day. They have a lot of, you know, the continent has a, a influx of people, mm-hmm. millions of people and probably like overly populated because people are giving birth and mm-hmm. it's not, you know, medical. But I think it's the, this narrative that only formal education is education or like right. formal training until you is are. Knowledge. Well, so yeah. the, the question becomes, what is knowledge? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of this is born out of so much violence because even like the, the father of gynecologists today that we talk about, he all of his research and things that he mm-hmm. did was on the bodies of black enslaved yeah. women. Yeah. And, and you know, people don't talk about this, but this is the narrative that, yeah. that you know, gets uh, buried on of all of the conversations that, oh, you have to go to the hospital. And yeah. we're not saying the people should not go to the hospital, right. but we're just saying the two can exist and that we yeah. don't have to put Both the end. other one down yeah. mm-hmm. to make the other one seem like it's the right. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh, Marion Sims and um, the fact that he operated on these enslaved women Several times Mm -hmm. and several times without anesthesia and then also Mm -hmm. made them help him operate on other black Mm -hmm. women. Right. Um, And the violence that comes with the profession that we know today as um, this this medical field that you have to do this thing. These the the, the two things, the the cultural caring uh, feel of midwifery and um, practicing as a doula, they can exist at the same mm-hmm. time and you uh-huh. don't have to bastardize or criminalize or right. do anything to one particular one mm-hmm. um, to, to say that yours should exist. Yep. And I, I want to talk, I want to shift gears a little bit after this one question, <laughs> um, <laughs> because I want to talk about what is happening. Like what are some of the, the beautiful things that are happening in the, in the doula space as Dr. Cook alluded to a little bit earlier but before we go there, I wanted to ask a question regarding, we, we talked a, a little bit about um, what is happening, uh, how, how for black women, um, there's, a, there's a maternal crisis, right? Um, but I want to ask if this crisis has gotten better or worse 
or has it shifted <laughs> throughout the COVID pandemic? <laughs> uh, I don't. I, before Dr. Cook, I'll just give the numbers that in 2020, that was COVID. Um, it says eight, um, 861 birthing people die in the U.S. compared to 754 in 2009. Mm. So I don't know if COVID increase the number but just that was just a number from 2020 so we know this crisis every year from 19 to 20 you know moving on has been getting worse oh wow yeah the pandemic definitely fragmented care that was available to pregnant people and their families um although you know in black ingenuity we were able to yes. navigate um <laughs> navigate the the necessary fragmentation with social distancing and all that, we still may do. You know, there were um, people who were providing doula services virtually, even if it's just like on FaceTime mm -hmm. or um, video calling and um, having people, you know, drop off food at the door, even though, you know, traditionally a doula might um, do some meal prep for a family so that the family doesn't have to worry about cooking. Mm -hmm. But in the absence of that, people were still arranging meal trains for people. And mm -hmm. so we were able to be creative and adapt like we've always done. Oh, wow. But like Zuleika said, um, unfortunately, of course, COVID did still kind of accentuate those disparities. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about what's happening. Let's <laughs> shift the conversation a little bit to what's happening. Tell me about the beautiful, because I mean, I'm you, the audience, you can't see their faces, but I mean, mm -hmm. they're absolutely smiling right now <laughs> with the shift <laughs> in the conversation. So I want to hear about this gorgeous, amazing work that you are doing in the community. I want to hear about not only your work. So you can, you can tell me about what are some of the trends maybe in what is happening regarding birthing equity and birthing justice in the United States and maybe even globally, if you know. Yeah. Um, and then I want to hear also about what you are doing, because these two women are doing some amazing <laughs> things in Southwest Virginia. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we started off by talking about the importance of defining terms. And I realized that we didn't define one important term, which is a doula. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes talk to people about, you know, being a doula and they just kind of nod. But then I realized they have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, so a doula is a non-medical advocate support person that provides a birthing person or pregnant mama with various types of support. So that's informational support, um, physical support, like um, not massage because we're not masseuses, but rub downs mm -hmm. and um, practicing positions that could be helpful during labor. Also emotional support because some pregnant people have families to lean on and others are in isolation. Mm -hmm. And so their doula might be their only um, kind of friend during this critical period. And also um, relational support. So doulas can help not only the birthing person um, themselves, but also their family, their partner who may not know what to do or when to jump in mm -hmm. or not want to mess things up or may not really feel connected to the baby if the Mama is nursing in the beginning and the partner doesn't feel like they have a role. The doula can help them navigate that dynamic, maybe help with the siblings who now have this new baby who's stealing their attention. <laughs> All those things. Doulas help with providing non-medical support. So that's what a doula is. Um, I really focus on community-based, culturally congruent or culturally affirming doulas. And that's the idea that a doula reflects the client looks like the client so that the client can shut down the code switching not have to take off their bonnet not have to you know perfect the <laughs> house or change all those things that we just have to do sometimes when we're performing for others um and so that's why it's so important that we increase the number of black birth workers like black doulas and hopefully black midwives too so some really exciting things are happening around birth equity work and um, increasing the number of black birth workers that are available to families. Um, and that's really promising because research has shown that there's so many benefits to having a doula present. And although that was our business before, we've, um, we've now been in a place where we haven't had access to doulas. Because like Zuleika was saying, doulas have become this, you know, kind of elitist um, trend and mm -hmm. haven't really been um, something that black families could afford or have access to. 
Um, but luckily, with community-based doula training programs like ours, and we'll talk a little bit about that after, but luckily these initiatives have provided access um, for Black families to be able to have doulas. And some benefits to having a doula present in a birth is decreased risk of having a negative birth experience, one that's perhaps traumatic, mm-hmm. um, decreased use of Pitocin, which also leads to decreased use of or decreased risk of needing a C-section because mm-hmm. once you introduce Pitocin, which the medical provider might be, you know, really generous to offer, like, if you're in pain, we can, you know, we can give you something for the pain. So a person who's on their own and, um, and doesn't have a full understanding of all the possibilities available to them might say, okay, yeah, let's do it, fine. But then now they're at risk of C-section, which has its own mm-hmm. suite of complications. Mm-hmm. So um, having a doula is, is beneficial for decreased use of Pitocin and then decreased C-section, decreased risk of newborns being sent to the NICU, increased likelihood of a spontaneous vaginal birth, which is what people often call a natural birth. Um, and we try to avoid saying natural because all birth is natural, mm-hmm. even if it's abdominal, it's still involving bodies and, mm-hmm. and your body's still working. Um, and decreased use in pain intervention, mm-hmm. which a lot of people also strive for. So doulas can be supportive people for um, helping people achieve the birth that they imagine. And even if it does not happen to the T of their birthing plan, which almost never happens, um, at least the, the doula is there who, who um, has the person's interests and vision in mind and can be there as a cheerleader, a coach, and also an advocate when a medical provider is coming in with such urgency for all of these interventions that are really not needed. Mm-hmm. And the doula can be there to say, well, let's slow down. Let's mm-hmm. think about this for mm-hmm. a second. Hmm. What are our choices? Mm-hmm. And I'll share one, um, one tool that I like to use with families because a doula also is not a mouthpiece for the family, although they can step in if the birthing person is not feeling up to it, to advocating for herself. Our primary goal is to to build pregnant people up so that they can advocate for themselves, mm-hmm. not to be their mouthpiece in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I like for clients or families to learn is called BRAIN. And that's getting them to think about these B-R-A-I-N, and I'll tell you what each of those stand for, whenever they're um, interacting with their medical provider. But really, even if you're not pregnant, thinking about this can help you navigate any conversation you're having with your doctor, nurse, or medical provider. So B is benefits. What are the benefits of this intervention that you're offering me? R, risks. What are the risks associated with this intervention? Or how might it interact with other therapeutics or medicine that I'm taking? A, are there any alternatives I could consider? Could I do something else instead of this thing that you've come in so excited to recommend. Intuition. And this one is so important because as black women, we're so often silenced. And, you know, I mean, women in general are um, are seen as, you know, too emotional or hysterical or just, you know, <laughs> yeah. not grounded or knowing what's going on with themselves. But we know um, and black women, of course, are um, are particularly at risk of people gaslighting them. Mm-hmm. And so I love this one, intuition, because it brings you back to realize that even if you haven't given birth yourself, your, mo- your mom gave birth to you and her mom and her mom, and this is in you. You mm-hmm. know, women have been giving birth and have been surviving birth. And you're not alone in this, even if, even if you don't have a partner that it's within you. Mm-hmm. And so trust your gut and listen to that feeling. If something doesn't seem right, you know, you still want to be open to, um, to listening. And definitely, hopefully you have a trusting relationship with your medical provider, but don't ignore your gut. Mm-hmm. And then finally, N is for nothing. What if we just wait and do nothing? Oh, wow. What if we just wait for five minutes? Mm-hmm. What if we wait for an hour? If it's something, you know, not in the birthing situation, what if I wait a month? Can we mm-hmm. see if this problem resolves itself? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't wait and nothing is not an option, but sometimes it is. And this is all about uh, p- patients or families, pregnant people having choice mm-hmm. and having the knowledge they need to make informed choices. Right. And it's that's not a crisis. Justice no. 
Exactly. Right. Not a, it's not a crisis. On, on, same thing I said before about storytelling, I think is the person in the room not controlling the narrative. That's what brain is all about. It's mm-hmm. like you taking back that that being able because it's a relationship with your your provider. Like you want to make sure you ask these questions and you you're asking all of these things Dr. Cook talk about, like what is the alternative and also just being, you know, having a voice in that room and making sure that you are you are part of that that relationship too. Mm-hmm. And your medical provider should not have a problem with it. This should right. be they should be happy that you're asking and they should be willing to share to answer we know that sometimes they're not as happy to hear your questions or as willing to answer them. Um, and that's why doula can be helpful, too, because now they're seeing these two people mm-hmm. there. So one, they know that this person has people who care about them, you know. Yep. Um, and, and this is important to state because we know that medical racism and what people say is implicit bias and sometimes is not so implicit after <laughs> all. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But sometimes just having that extra advocate in the room can really make a difference. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I I'd heard, I can't remember where I'd heard that um, C-sections um, had gone up. Or you find more C-sections happening at the end of the day when doctors have mm-hmm. to go home to dinner. And on Fridays and when on they're Fridays. eager for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 because of the capitalistic nature of the medical profession, yeah. um, that is why the crisis happens in a lot in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, because you know we need to we need to get this one out and get the other one. We need to get this bed empty. We need to get them get yeah. the other one in here. Um, and I need to go home and eat my dinner. And I need to go boating in the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And aside from that, you know, kind of exaggerated or emphasized self-centeredness. Even aside from that, the practicality of wanting to make your child's soccer game that happens right after at the end of the day, even just thinking about liability mm-hmm. is enough to incentivize doctors to prefer C-sections. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. Like C- a C-section is major surgery. Yeah, it is. It's and it reduces job. the risk for the doctor, though. Wow. See, that's so many things that you, we forget about. That doctors are, are people operating in this system yeah. that is this capitalist. This is, where, this is where they live. Yeah. And so people forget. They think like, you know, this is this all-knowing, the expert at everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving my, you know, but you these, these are people that have to go home to their, their exactly. kids playing soccer. They have to answer to an insurance company. They, there's a lot of factors that go into this mm-hmm. that people have to think about. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I want to hear more about your work. First of all, I want to hear about how did you, what are you doing and how did you get into this? How did you, how did you (laughs) become a doula? How did you two (laughs) start working together? Like, I want to hear this story. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm um, a public health professor. I do research in public health. My background is in human, family and community development and also program evaluation, but not any old evaluation that just like measures performance and Um, and benchmarking, but transformative evaluation, which is about data that can really make a difference. Um, Diverse types of data um, that is generated in a participatory manner that's culturally responsive and equitable um, and can really contribute to our understanding of phenomena with a critical lens. So recognizing that it's not just what we see at the surface, but Mm -hmm. there are root causes to the issues that we're trying to intervene on and make a difference with. So um, last year, actually in May, I participated in a community-based doula training. And that was just out of personal interest. Um, I never had the opportunity to give my, you know, ideal imagined birth. And so I wanted to to get to be a part of birth work. I'm not a, a physician. I'm not a midwife. But I realized that um, being a doula is a way that I could contribute to, to shifting the needle a little bit for um, to reduce black birth disparities and contribute to birth equity. So I participated in this doula training. I learned about the brain mnemonic that I just shared, um, different labor positions to help people um, get through labor, hopefully with less pain intervention. Although if people want pain intervention, that's fine, too. It's all about choice. Um, but I realized that this is a space where I could make a difference and where there's still data lacking. We have good data, like I've told you about the benefits of using a, da- of using a doula, mm-hmm. of decrease this and increase that. 
but there isn't yet enough data about how, you know, mm-hmm. what is it about the support of a doula that helps, that makes a difference? Um, what is it, what is the dynamic between the doula, the birthing person, and the other people who are part of the birthing team? How can we create a more um, a culture in healthcare settings that's more receptive and affirming of the presence of a doula? Um, what are the families who receive doula services? What does it mean for them? What does it mean for them as a birthing person? What does it mean for them as other members of the family? Just some of the how mm-hmm. is still missing. And also um, zooming out from the you know, small family unit, what does it mean for communities to have doulas present? What does it mean for the doulas themselves to have this this business, this, um, this way that they contribute to their community's health, but also make an income for themselves and their families? What does it mean at the community level now that they're more entrepreneurs? What are the community level outcomes that we, you know, we can think about, but also those that we have no idea that yeah. are happening, those yeah. unintended consequences? Um, and that's really important so that we can understand really the role and the potential of doulas. Um, I think for me, uh, I'm a public health student, uh, do a degree. So I, I picked up public health. Um, I don't want to say on accident. Uh, I'm from Liberia. So during the Ebola um, outbreak, I, I was in the U.S. at the time, but there was a lot of misinformation about what was going on. And for me, I always thought about public health um, in the aspect of um, health education. And I've did a lot of community work around in- injury prevention while I was in Boston. Um, so I think it was important for me to understand you know, some of the acronyms that I was hearing doing Ebola, things that I've never heard about. It was very intriguing to me. So when I got to Virginia Tech, I'm doing international affairs. But it was also interesting to see what is public health about. And then I saw they had a public health education track and you could do, you know, like overachiever. So I was like, I'll just pick up a master's degree while I'm here. <laughs> and so that's how I got into public health. But um, I took a health um, equity class. Um, and in that class is where I first heard this, this, um, scary statistic of me being an African woman and my birth outcome on the continent is much better than in this great United States. And I was like, what? So I went down this rabbit hole of just being very intrigued and confused as to what is happening. And I think it was like um, the UN finally recognized like maternal health. um, And then the the U.S. being an industrialized, industrialized country was all the way at the bottom of this list with all the other countries like the Dominican Republic and other, and I was like, wait a minute, like how come people are not talking about this? But people are. And so I went online. Um, I'm a huge social media um, person. So I went online, all this touch and birth equity and birth. And there's a lot of this stuff that was happening. And then I had a conversation with Dr. Cook because I took her evaluation class. And she's like, oh, I have this project that I'm working on. And as soon as I heard Black Maternal Health, I was like, I'm in. Like, mm-hmm. this sounds like, you know, something that you could definitely do. And then along the way, we've developed this relationship where, um, she's now my uh, uh, faculty advisor in the public health program. But we talked about ways that we can make an impact because I'm always, you know, I feel like I thrive in this space where the university can work with the community and, you know, actually seeing the text things that you see in the textbook and all of the academic pretense and performance coming to life mm-hmm. is, is for me is, is more about how can you get research to work for a community? We talk about this all the time in our public health classes, but to see her actually working in right here in Roanoke, I'll let her talk about most most of our work that we're doing in Rono, but I thought it was, you know, it was something that I definitely needed to be a part of. And so that's now, you know, a project that is very important to me. And I'm excited to be working with Dr. Cook on on Breath Village. And birth is an acronym because, you know, it's Virginia Tech. So we have to have an acronym. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Dr. Cook will tell you a little bit about a project, um, Breath Village, and it is surrounding the doula services. So it's, it's very interesting work. But that's how I came to this work. It's been a- <laughs> Absolute joy to have Zuleika um, in class previously, but also on this project. And so I'll share a birth, B-E-A-R-T-H. Birth stands for birth. She loves acronyms, by the way. Yes, she does. (laughs) Birth, equity, action, and research to transform health. So birth village. Um, And using a collective impact approach in the birth village project, we're really trying to marry scientific evidence and cultural wisdom 
to convene an accessible and affirming ecosystem of care for Black families, including free doula services and wraparound family support. So we partner with um, other grassroots programs and um, different types of programs to provide families with the types of whole health support that is so often missing, but that we need and that we deserve. So we, um, we really try to provide Black families with holistic care while co-generating new evidence, lessons, and recommendations for advancing Black maternal health equity. So Birth, Bil- Birth Village is about action. It's about working with families, training doulas to work with families, but it's also about generating new knowledge. And when I say new, I don't mean in a, you know, a toxic innovation, you know, <laughs> frontiers type of way. <laughs> but sometimes new means old. Yeah. And you were talking about history earlier, Andrea, and some of that is bringing that back up yeah. and returning to our roots and honoring those types of knowing yes. as evidence. And bringing that into the literature so that when we hear about evidence-based programs, this type of work is included in that. Yeah. 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 Yes. So this is from a Curiosity. And now you have a whole birth village? Yeah. So, so the idea of a village, obviously, like we talk about, it takes a village. So is, is, is what she talked about, the wraparound model mm-hmm. of working with other community partners that are um, interested in this work around matern- Black maternal health. So it's, it's called Birth Village, but it is, uh, like you talk about, it's a, a training of Black doulas. We're mm-hmm. hoping to train Black doulas, but because her expertise is in evaluation and we are public health, we are going to be creating this knowledge of following this entire cohort of Black maternal or Black doulas in, in Roanoke to, to contribute to um, the Black maternal crisis in this predominantly Black uh, neighborhood. So we, this summer, we're going to be training Black doulas. We're going to be working with the community partners. We're going to be um, extending the, the services with the Black doulas, pairing them with Black families and, and talking to those Black doulas. Like she talked about, like, what does that mean for them? Because there's not a lot of data around that. Like even following through with focus groups and, and getting to know the doulas, getting to know like mm-hmm. the, the different people wow. in the community and just sharing this experience, you know, like what does that mean? Because even for other people who who might not even know what doula. I think for me, that's one of the, the exciting part of this, this work is when you go into the, the field and you talk to people and you say doulas or you say certain things and they're like, doula, doulas? What does that? They don't know what that means. I'm so excited. I'm like, great. So that means this is needed. <laughs> like we can talk about this and try to share this knowledge of something that used to be like, you know, people know midwives, but they're not very um, acquainted with this because this has become like a, you know, a new rebranding of something that's been happening. So mm-hmm. I think it's exciting to be doing this work. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's really timely because um, the state of Virginia has joined in with a handful of other states. Um, not that they're doing it together, which needs to happen eventually. We need a coordinated federal response. But at the state level, Virginia has finally decided to reimburse for doula services. Mm-hmm. So that should close or do contribute a little bit to closing the gap of who can have access to doula services. Mm -hmm. So our doulas will be uh, Virginia state certified so that they'll be able to reimburse families, reimburse doulas who provide services for families so that families don't have to come out of pocket for this. And we know that because of structural racism and all that comes with that, Mm -hmm. that our families, that black families can't always afford doula services. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> that is wow <laughs> i'm just you're y'all are doing some amazing work and um wow <laughs> um i have about two more questions for you and they're kind of we talked about the past we talked about the present we talked about your project we talked about talked about you and mm-hmm. all the great work that you're doing and i want to shift gears again to kind of the future mm-hmm. um so the Supreme Court's first draft of Roe versus Wade, first draft of their decision, which we are hearing and seeing purports to overturn Roe versus Wade, um, was leaked. Mm-hmm. And so this is connected in my mind somehow mm-hmm. to um, birth justice and birth equity. Um, 
what do you think the future for birth justice, birth equity, maternal health looks like if we have to step into a post Roe versus Wade? Oh, boy. <laughs> this is just, um, do you want me to go? So I'll just start off by saying that there's no such thing as banning abortion. Mm-hmm. There's only a such thing as banning safe abortion. Of course. Mm. Yeah. And so, period. Yeah. <laughs> Just period. 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 <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I'm. I. I think. I don't. I don't want to be because. But since we're laughing, I'm just gonna say. Like, I feel like there's a lot of. As an immigrant. That came to the U.S. with so, so many things. Sometimes I'm just thinking, like, are we are we going back? Like, you know, like you know how you set your time back when you get when you travel. But like we're going back 49. I don't know how many years we're going mm-hmm. back with this. I don't. Just like I, I just feel like this is old narrative of having old white men dictate what you can and can't do to your body. That is just so old. But since and we're talking about the future. obsession with our body. Yes. I just, you see, when I talked about um, this, this father of gynecologists, I think, I feel like this, this, there's this history of people being obsessed with women's body, mm-hmm. specifically black women's. And this is this, we're talking about black maternal health. But I think when I think about the future, um, now that Virginia, other states are coming on board and doula services are being embraced and be reimbursed with Medicare and Medicaid. I think um, it's important that um, we acknowledge that people are, are learning new things. And this is not new in the black community, but it's being reintroduced in a way that we've not seen before. Um, black Maternal Health Week is a thing now um, on social media, yeah. other places. It's, it's from April 11th to the 17th. People are talking about these things that like they never talked about before. Um, so um, outside of the attack on women's bodies, I think the conversations are being shifted. So I'm excited about that. Um, things that are being done at a micro level and bigger level, like um, not to toot our own horn, but I think the conversation that, you know, you have a professor here in public health that is not just teaching in the classroom, but moving outside and and bringing the community to the classroom or the classroom to the community. Yeah. So I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that that's happening. Sadly, um, you know, Capitol Hill is a whole different story. They're doing something else over there that we're not going to. But I'm just going to say this, this attack on women's bodies doesn't stop there. Um, it's real now. Like, what's next? I feel mm-hmm. like people need to pay attention to this could go a whole lot of different way. A lot of different identities could be attacked. We're overturning laws. Like, we're not moving forward. We're moving back. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Because at one point, I myself, as a human being sitting here, it was illegal for me to exist. I was a property. Mm-hmm. So what does this look like when the same country that I was once a property and at one point there were laws that made me legal or made me a person? There, as an immigrant, there was this paper and policy that made me to exist in this space, to go to school, to share spaces with my fellow um, Caucasian classmates. So are we just reversing things? I think we need to pay attention to when we start going back in time. It's, it's women's today, but what's going to happen tomorrow. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you read folks like Dorothy Roberts and her work, um, understanding that um, the whole debate on abortion is inherently racist, right? It is about um, a nation that wants to control the reproduction of black women. Um, that f- when black women were considered chattel, control the reproduction of black women because they wanted these black women's uh, children as property. And then once once slavery was over, wanted to control the reproductive capabilities of black women because of all of these tropes that they had developed about us as um, not necessarily property, but less than human. Um, and so these laws and this, this may be, I mean, people are saying this is the first draft and so the draft change, um, you know, I, 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 I have no idea, <laughs> but these, these laws, these, these, uh, decisions are inherently 
racist, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we don't want to end this conversation there. Mm-hmm. I want to, because we know that something's going to happen. We don't know, but something's going to happen. And it seems as though it's not going to be good in terms of um, white men with power wanting to control women's bodies um, or birthing people's bodies. Um, what advice do you have for black birthing people, black people who are thinking about having children, um, um, birthing children specifically? Um, are there any websites, any organizations? What do you have to offer in terms, of, in, by way of advice for those who are listening? Well, before we get to like external resources, mm-hmm. I would um, point people inwards mm-hmm. and and talk about some mindset mindsets and shift in mindsets that I think are important to our um, our survival and our thriving. And one of them is that although it feels celebratory and affirming and empowering to think of ourselves as superwomen, we're not, we're human. And that itself is a trope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The strong black woman is a trope. But we internalize it. We internalize it. Like my mom was very proud to consider herself a black superwoman. And that's toxic. Very. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So. Um, So one is that although it can feel empowering to embrace the, the black superwoman trope, recognize your humanity, your, um, I hate to say fragility because I like to be, you know, strength-based and, and to really uplift our, the power that we have within us and still realize that we're still, there's still fragility in our humanity. And so when we're, undergoing surgery like for abdominal birth that's a fragile time there's no mm-hmm. need to snap back or bounce back or mm-hmm. get your you know waist back immediately um there's no need to you know to be able to return okay there is financial need and that's a whole nother you know policy issue but um in terms of you know being a good mother or a good woman or a, a productive person all of that is just noise and really compromises our ability to to focus on our health, especially our whole health. So not just our physical health, but our mental health, our um, social, emotional, spiritual health, relational health. All of that distracts us from focusing on um, on our humanity and the grace that we should welcome for ourselves and demand. Mm-hmm. for ourselves and so with that um we talk about self-care which is so important um and i also want us to think about community care mm-hmm. i'm always inspired by you know mlk's um concept of beloved community of believing in you know abundance and um taking care of each other and realizing that we can help each other be happy and healthy and and have abundant lives that are not, you know, centered on lacking and missing and needing help and really this deficit model. So um so one is to kind of reject the 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 black superwoman trope. And it can be hard because I know we we celebrate, we like to celebrate, you know, black girl magic and there's beauty in that. But it can also be harmful. So just be thoughtful about that. Mm-hmm. Two, um, do self-care because that's important. And also think about community care. So even if you're not pregnant now or never plan to be pregnant, you can still contribute to, to black birth equity. You can, you know, you can help people um, think differently about, well, one, you can raise awareness. You can tell people ask people, did you know that black women had better birth outcomes back in slavery days than they do now? Mm -hmm. Um, But also when you're attending a baby shower, you can do something new. You can um, maybe go in with a few friends and treat the birthing person to a doula 
mm-hmm. um, or start a little GoFundMe where everybody can contribute rather than just having a million, you know, bibs and bouncers <laughs> and six walkers and six well, walkers. walkers are banned now, but bouncers <laughs> and all that. You know how you get all the duplicates? Um, but instead of doing stuff like that, give gifts of time and company. Um, offer to to do something for the mama. Okay, a lot of people are focusing on the baby, buying the baby presents, bringing diapers, mm-hmm. asking to hold the baby. All of this is about the baby, which is lovely. We love babies. Babies need our love. <laughs> and so do the mamas. So do the birthing people. So um, don't forget about the, the birthing person when you're you know going to a baby shower or something like that. And even outside of birth and, um, and that experience, think about community care and how you can help build up those who are around you. And also tap into that when you need it. We all need to fill each other up and, and welcome the gifts that others have to share with us when they're sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I would just add, I think all of that, and I would just add that, especially for people who identify as male or men, a lot of times conversations about black maternal health, just saying maternal, they're like, ah, this has nothing to do with me. And I'm hoping that this is a conversation for everyone because, um, as I said before, even with the Roe v. Wade, when you have when you attack one population, you know the whole ecosystem of how this works. The same thing we saw with COVID. If something happens all the way in, you know, Timbuktu is eventually going to make its way to your doorstep. So I think if there's an attack on Black women health, and as an as an American in general, it's sad to think about the, the U.S. as a industrial nation being the last when it comes to maternal health Mm -hmm. there's something we're not getting right and a lot of this is rooted in the history of how we treated certain people in this country and i think if we pay attention to this this is important a lot of it start with education awareness advocacy like you have to find your peace if you can't if you you have no idea this is happening all of this information we're in the information age all you have to do is just go out there is there the numbers are there black women are three to four times likely to die in childbirth than their white um, counterparts. So this is not, is the numbers, as they say, numbers don't lie, but it's, it's there. You can see this as clear as day, either before, I mean, during their pregnancy, after, like there's a lot of complication. And it doesn't matter if you have money, if you're a celebrity, if you're, you, you are college educated, it's just the mere fact that you share the same skin color as I am. So I think that's something to think about, like educate yourself, get to know these, these things, and also advocate. In a way, if you are part of like like Dr. Coke and I right now, if you are at a, a research one university, if you are learning about this and there's something that you, you want to do something about, I think you should do something about it if you can. If you are, um, you know, a doula or certified doula, I think people should know about your services. I think people should be out there and trying to find out what are some things that they too can contribute to this in, a, in every little way as possible. And again, the birthing process is a community piece because if someone's worried about where they're going to get their food from, they're not going to be able to um, breastfeed the way they're supposed to if they worry about their, their safety. So it's a wholeness. It's a whole community aspect of this. And this is some of the reason why this work is really important. And I'm really excited to be a part of um, Breath Village. And because we're just in our starting stage, as we talk about this, the research is going to continue through the summer. But we do have B-E-A-R-T-H village.org. Uh, and that's where we're going to have all of the information, answering some of these questions and having some of the information um, available for people to see. So this is, like they say, it takes a village. So it is a village and we're looking forward to doing some of this work. Yes, yes. This was really great, y'all. I really enjoyed it. And now I want to be a part of Birth Village. And <laughs> I want to be a doula. Um, but um, yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation with you too. Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. And don't forget to advocate for yourselves and your health. and. Don't forget that brain. Yeah. Thank you. Our guests on today's show were Dr. Natalie Cook and Zuleika Woods. We recorded our conversation on May 5th, 2022. Dr. Cook co-facilitated a week-long module in the Making All Black Lives Matter course that I co-taught with Dr. Shannon Bell in the spring semester of 2022. The Making All Black Lives Matter course has been informing a special series of the Standpoints podcast for which this episode is one. This series is made possible in part by a collaborative grant funded by the University Libraries at Virginia Tech.
Thanks so much to our guests and thank you for listening. To learn more about our podcast and stay up to date with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Standpoints Pod and on Twitter at Standpoints Pod One. If you want to learn more about our guests or follow them on social media, you can visit them at the website birthvillage.org. That is B E A R T H village.org and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Birth Village. Standpoints is produced in association with Virginia Tech Publishing. Our producer is Joe Fort, and our production assistant is Jenea Amor. For more information about podcasts produced by Virginia Tech Publishing, please visit publishing.vt.edu and choose podcasts from the drop-down menu. Our theme music was arranged by Prince Predator with vocals by Aura Cadet. I am Andrea Baldwin. Please join us again on the Standpoints Podcast.